Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. So, the last few weeks have been centered around things that God has been working on me, or worked on me during my sabbatical. If you're like first Sunday here, um, I took a six-week sabbatical um, in the summer, just to kind of, the first one in 19 years of ministry that I've ever taken, just to rest and refresh. And uh, there was lots of things that I feel like God really kind of, confronted me with during my six weeks uh, in a loving, nice way. And today is one of those. We're continuing in that vein. Today we'll continue in that vein. Look at that. I just wrote that. Uh, One of the things God uh, spotlighted to me was the idea of family and others first and my willingness to lay down my me-focused free time to play second to the needs of those I love and interact with daily. And when I say family first, okay, we're in church. God is first. Like, don't, ever, don't anybody be like, you know, we're to worship and honor our family higher than we worship and honor uh, our Savior. Uh, but outside of that, which we're going to see in, through, in and through his sacrifice of what we're going to read in Philippians 2 today, um, he's called us to be like him. This message will be challenging for us all today. One, because... The words we will study today in Philippians will call you and I to have the same love that Jesus has towards other, which is sometimes very painful to love the way Jesus loved. Second, or number two, the self is selfish. You're not going to like inwardly what I'm going to say today because it is going to go against what you want to do. And let me just tell you, the struggle is real. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, every time I talk about marriage, every time I talk about, you know, uh, you talk about shifting and God, you know, trials and tribulations, I end up in the hospital. Um, you know, there, it just happens when you're going to preach on something God wants to, you to work on. And I feel like I've been trying to work on this. Um, and I, I, I was confronted this week that I'm not doing as good at work as I probably think I should be. So, um, this word is for all of us today. This is the way that you change your family. If you want your small world to change, this is it. If we as the church, want our community to change. This is how we do it. So let us, and I'll quote a little James here, uh, let us not just be hearers, because you're going to hear the word as I read it today, but let us be doers of it. So here's my one thing that I want you to hear today. The focus of the life of Jesus was others. He went to the cross for others. He gave every moment of his life to serve, value, and love others. And so this is not a guilt or condemnation question, but what is your focus? Because let me just tell you, after 45 years of life, the more I seek me and be me-focused, the less happy I am. Because you know why? Because whatever we chase after in our self, selfish ways never satisfies us, or we never get there. 
You know, we feel like if we just get to this one place, you know, we'll be satisfied, we'll be happy. And the truth is that's not the case. And I, I want to, and I think the Bible wants to lead you into a place of being the happiest that you can be through how you lead, love, and serve others. So let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, as we will read in just a few verses... If you've done anything for us, if we've experienced your grace and mercy, your salvation, if we've experienced uh, miracles in our own life and seen transformation happen in our own lives, Lord, if we've seen and experienced you, let us be willing to lay down ourselves for you. Lord, our, our, our families need this. Our community needs this and we need this. Let us see in and through your word how we're supposed to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the letter to the Philippians was written by Paul from prison. Philippi was a Roman colony known for its patriotic nationalism. America? Anybody? I mean, I don't think this letter could be read to any other group that would understand that. The, the Roman, most of these, or a lot of this community were retired Roman citizens that had earned their citizenship and were now there. And they loved Rome. And the gospel came to the city and started changing people. And there was persecution and there was suffering. But there was Jesus. And this letter was advice and instruction on how to live like Jesus. Got a simple question for you. Don't answer out loud. Almost everything that I ask, um, you know, you don't have to say anything. Um, you don't have to elbow the person beside you. You know. So followers of Jesus do what? They follow Jesus. If we're not following Jesus, we might not be followers of Jesus because plain and simple followers of something follow them. They they spend, the followers of Jesus, they spend, we spend our lives being transformed into his likeness, which is a continuation, which isn't ever over. If you feel like you've arrived and you are perfect, you may be, but I doubt it. And if I talked to your spouse or someone close to you, I'd probably get the truth of your imperfections. But the reality is, is we always have to surrender to Jesus. Our ongoing life, as we dealt with last week with this identity and living under a false one and choosing the yoke that Jesus offers us, it is a daily choice. <clears throat> and hear this from the bottom of my heart. My intention is not to guilt or shame you into acting like better people. Because if I do that and I succeed, you will act like better people for about 30 minutes. Maybe two days if you're really holy and spiritual. My hope is that we will see and know that Jesus has a better way. Because you said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's not just, and I think we as American church, we love Jesus is truth. And we love to tell people Jesus is truth. 
And we miss out sometimes on the ways that he did it and the life that he gives us through it. So we're going to jump in. Uh, it's going to be behind us on the screen, Philippians 2. We're doing 1 through 11. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open them. Uh, it's always good to be looking in there. there. God, through the Holy Spirit, may, may you know, spark something that you need to go back later, and it's a great to make a little note or highlight something. So in verse 1, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being full in full accord and of one mind. So this is a church that was struggling in a very patriotic, very Roman-centered culture. And Christianity, just like we've talked in here a lot, is counterculture to pretty much everything that's not Christianity. Because everything else is going to try to tell you to, you know, live your best life, do the best you can, make as much money as you can, be as happy as you can. And Jesus is going to tell you it's about a bigger kingdom. It's about something outside of yourself. It's about serving others. It's about the one thing that lasts forever, which is not your bank accounts, because they'll go to someone else. It's people. The only thing that you'll ever interact with that will last for eternity is people that you interact with. Which should change the way we interact with them. Even when they're jerks. Even, and I haven't talked about this in a while, because I haven't seen it much. I guess traffic's a little lower. Even those people that drive right past the big old line and try to get in later. I have some bitterness for that. Like, I'm always like, God, help me. Because that... (laughs) But give me, I'm over here waiting. Anyway. Let it go. Let it go. <clears throat> See, what Paul is reminding you here, and what we're going to get towards the end too, because we get a perfect picture of the gospel through what Jesus has done. But what Paul is reminding is what he's getting ready to ask the people to do is very difficult. Very hard. You laying down yourself for others. You doing it not out of like some religious piety or this pharisaical, like I have to be this, but like because you truly love what Jesus has done for you and through you that you want others to experience the same thing and you're willing to sacrifice you for that. And the next two verses are very difficult. Verse 3, it says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let me read that again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. All throughout this message, there's going to be people that annoy you that are going to pop into your head. Mostly because I just said that. Mostly, maybe, the Holy Spirit wants to remind you that when Jesus says his greatest commandment is love your neighbor, and one of his disciples is like, who's my neighbor? Who's not your neighbor? And he's saying, hey, guys, like we're called to love people, even that persecute us when we're slapped, turn the cheek, carry it back. I mean, it's 
completely contrary. I believe our natural response is the first half of the verse. I believe selfish ambition and conceit, the me, almost every fight that I get in is because I'm protecting something about me. Instead of taking a minute, taking a breath, thinking through what happens, we go to the other side. And I believe that the second part only happens because of our life in Jesus. Maturity in Christ moves us to radically loving people. Verse 4, it says, Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is not saying don't care for yourself. What I'm not saying is being a, um, a welcome mat that gets ran over over and over again. He's, he, he, he's saying right here, take care of your own interest. But... Don't forget about the interest of others. Matthew, I just said this a second ago, but Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. it says in the second, talking about the greatest commandments, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second. After loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, the second greatest thing is loving others. How well are we doing? And let me just tell you, I'm going to drive home today, literally, to the home, to your family. Because I I think, honestly, that is where we become people that love others better. The better we can love our family, the more authentically we will love people outside of our family. Because the people in your family, let's just be honest, are not always easy to love. Everybody's holding in those amens. That's true. Come on now. You know it. Like, I know the elbows are coming. Like, oh. But it is. And let me just tell you, one of the things during my sabbatical, I just am reminded of, there's so much. I love this church. And I can serve this church faithfully and still love my family well. Where I don't love my family well is all the time. I have outside of what I do for this church. All the me time, all the TV time, all the computer time, all the phone time, and all this other time that I, for whatever reason, I've had a long day, I blah, 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 this, I deserve some rest. Like, I I don't want to do these things. And I'm just going to tell you, this has been on my mind for the last few weeks, and I've I've, I've tried... To go, what does it look like to, you know, never walk by my sink again when there's dishes in there and not put them in the dishwasher? What does it look like to never shove the trash down just far enough that one more thing will fit in there so that the next person has to take out the garbage? What does it look like when my kids need something even when it's inconvenient, which is almost always... Parents, what, what, what does it look like for me to look at them and go, I value you so much that I will lay down what I'm doing. This is, let me just tell you, 
Pastor Heath, struggle. Because like I'm a, I'm a zone person. Like if I'm working on something, I have some, I have some little side hustles that I do. Um, I do some logo work. And like I, when I'm focused on making something or writing something or creating something, like I'm in the zone. Half the time I don't even hear. Half the time I have AirPods on so I really can't hear. And what does it look like for me in that moment to just literally say there's nothing that I'm working on that is more valuable than my child or my wife asking me something or being present when they're having a conversation or putting your phone down and fully listening. And let me just tell you, failed, failed, failed. And I'm trying. Like, I knew I was going to preach this. It is difficult. And what I, what I want for us, before we get into what Jesus did, because he's getting ready to show us in the text, why should we do these things? And he gives us Jesus as an example, which is what we should be looking at. And let me just tell you, if today's message sparks something in you and you decide you're going to be different, opposition will come. Struggle will come. It's choosing to continue, which is what faith is. It is choosing to continue to do the right thing, even when you've done the wrong thing. Choosing to do the right thing tomorrow, even when you failed at it today. Verse 5. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in the human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. When you don't feel like it, when you don't want to, Jesus felt the same thing. In the garden, before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed to the Father. He asked that this would be removed. If there's any other way that we can accomplish a goal and the cross not happen, please. And his words at the end of that, it's okay to struggle with, I don't want to, and I don't want to serve them today, and they frustrate me. But it's choosing. Like you're not doing this for them. I'm doing this because my Savior, who went to the cross to pay the penalty for my sins, modeled this for me. And he went to the cross. He did everything the Father asked him to do. He went there. And so when we're struggling with it and we don't like it, Remember, the one who we worship was obedient even to the cross. This was in our message last week, but I want to read it again. Luke twenty-two twenty-seven. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? That's the mentality. The one that reclines at the table, he's greater. He says, but I am among you as one who serves. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. This is God incarnate saying, 
This is how the world does it, but look at what I'm doing. He got on the ground and cleaned nasty feet. Jesus, our Savior. What are you unwilling to do because you don't want to do it? Jesus did it. Jesus loved difficult people. And just on a side note, for all those that like, you got their Judas, you got your whatever in your life that you're just like, they're of the devil. And they may be. They may be. But what did Jesus do for three years with Judas? He loved him. When Jesus told his disciples that one of you is going to betray me, and I know who it is, None of them, and I talk about this a lot, none of them go, Judas, we know it's that guy. We hate that dude. It is definitely Judas. What did they do? They're like, is it me? Is it me? They went around the circle like, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Why didn't they know when Jesus knew the entire time that Judas was going to be Judas? Because he loved him. He didn't treat him any differently, knowing that he was going to betray him. He loved Peter so much that in spite of telling him, you're going to deny me three times at the end of that, he was there to restore him, to rebuild him, to help him be the man that God called him to be. And look at this, what happens in verse 9. It says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our acting like Jesus, living like Jesus, serving others like Jesus comes to glorify the one you serve. You're not doing this for you. If you serve in this church and it is to glorify yourself, then it's going to not be as great. But if you serve in any capacity in this church or at your home, but you do it as unto the Lord, the glory goes to the Father because it is, it is not your natural. It's not what you would do. <clears throat> so where do we start Loving others like Jesus. Others is everyone we meet. When you're frustrated and you've had a bad day, when everything's going wrong, and that interaction with a waiter or that interaction with a gas station employee or that interaction with somebody um, at Walmart or whatever. But the best place to start is at home. How willing am I or you to let go of the self and serve those who should be the most important in my life? How willing are you how willing are you to change how things are in your house right now according to you? <clears throat> And I don't know how you feel about Michael Jackson. But my man wrote a song that has some power. Where are you going to start? Man in the mirror. 
Everybody's like, what's he talking about Michael Jackson? Just talking about a song lyric. The truth is, the only thing, the best opportunity for you to bring change in your life is you changing. And the only way that you're going to do that through the text that we've seen today is one realizing what he's doing in and through you. And the second side of that is then realizing the example that he's laid out for you. And he's asked you over and over and over again to love others. What would it look like this week to really open your eyes and look around at the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs that you could be filling at home? I'm telling you, I think some of you in this room would love for me to tell you to go Outside of the house. Be like, I'll serve anywhere. I'll clean. We'll go clean toilets and pick up trash and do all these other things somewhere else. Because when that ends, we get to go home. And we never hear of what we might not, the little thing that we missed. But what would it look like if we literally ask God in the morning, every day, for the next seven days, to God just open my eyes to needs I can meet. And choosing to do them because you love Jesus. What would it look like to see people like Jesus sees them? I mean, people are annoying. Let's let's just, like, I'm not trying to say that people aren't crazy, that people aren't aggravating, that people don't, like, push you to your limits. But we were one of those people to Jesus. We were far from him before he called us into his family, which he all openly, willingly does to all those that are willing to surrender and submit to him. And while we were still sinners, he died for us. He looked through the pain and brokenness And he saw potential. And the potential is what God has the capacity to do in them if someone would just show them Jesus. Let me tell you how you get power. Second Peter chapter one. Verse 3. For all those that are like, I can't, I've tried. It's too hard. Maybe write this down. Maybe keep this. Make a note of it. Read it over and over and over again this week. His divine power has granted us, or granted to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power. He's granted us everything that we need to have life and godliness through, which is one of the most powerful words in the New Testament, in my brain, in my mind, through, because it's through Jesus, period. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through him you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption in, 
escape from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desires. His divine power. If you can't do it, then ask him for help. If you're unable, if you're like at your, well, I just, I just can't, ask him. And when you fail, which you will, confess it. Which is painful. Let me read this again and then we're going to take communion. Back to the beginning of Philippians 2, 1 and 2. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participate in the Spirit, any affliction or affection or sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accordance of one mind. Communion is one of the best reminders of where your source of power is. It's a reminder that you did not save yourself. It is not your blood. It is, your not, it, is, it is not your body that was broken to pay the penalty for our sins, but it was Jesus. And as we today take communion, I want to remind you that the power to do the things that we're talking about today, because this is what God has called us to. Whether you like it or not, God has called us to love the unlovable. God has called us to love those that are the closest to us. And God has given you the family that he has given you for purpose. And as I have children that get close to leaving the house, I have a 19-year-old and a senior in high school and the sweetest one, Allie, who's in seventh grade, so I've got a lot more years with her. <clears throat> it's a reminder... Of your, your time's limited. It's like my time with my two older children is limited. Not because they're going to disappear, because at some point in the next two to three years, they're not going to live in my house. And sometime after that, they're going to ask other people their opinions that when they come to me during those annoying times where I'm doing my thing or watching my show or blah, blah, blah. What would it look like to choose them over everything else? And today, as we take communion, this is your reminder that God has called us into his kingdom for others. This is a reminder today that all of us in this room, though not many of us are related, we are one family We need to remember that unity within the body of Christ is the calling from Jesus. If you want to read uh, John 17 later, his his return is linked around that that unity. And there's so much potential division within here. What if we loved others first? What if we worked through things together? And what if we decided that this city was worth our service because it is and you're here and god has called me to this city to love this city and to love these people that walk you guys that walk into these doors and there's going to be others just like you that are going to walk in here and we're going to create an environment 
that we can help them be successful in Jesus. And the best way that we can do that is showing them how much we love Jesus by how much we're willing to lay down our lives for others. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.